We are in a sermon series entitled uh, Questions About Life, and I have been assigned the topic, Who is the Holy Spirit? And what I want to do is give you glimpses into my journey over the last 35 years, and so this is more autobiographical, and it is more, uh, it is chronological in order as well. So if we have the time, I will relate seven different experiences uh, to you. So number one, an experience at Faith Baptist Church. I became a believer in the mid-1970s through the ministry of Faith Baptist Church here in the city of Saskatoon, located at that time on the corner of 3rd and Monroe. At that time, they had a green building that they met in, and some of us affectionately referred to that building as the ugly green building. They ran all kinds of programs out of that church, Sunday school, midweek program as well. And uh, as a rule, they were desperate for people to be teaching and leading these classes. Uh, so here I was, not even a believer yet a year, and they were asking if I would play a part in teaching classes and being involved likewise with their boys' brigade program, or what would be the equivalent of their boys' brigade program, which was called Royal Ambassadors. Uh, so I stepped into that with a great deal of enthusiasm, even though I lacked a lot of Bible knowledge, and the Bible was totally new to me. My love relationship with Christ and my connection with Jesus Christ and the enthusiasm and the passion that I had for Christ uh, carried me that way. However, there was a request that came to my way to be involved in Royal Ambassadors one evening with a group of boys, five or six, and I was asked if I would lead the lesson. It would have been about 20 minutes in length. And the lesson might well have been this very title here, Who is the Holy Spirit? I had a relationship with Jesus Christ that was new, and which I understood, and I could sort of visualize and picture Jesus Christ. He was in my heart, but also we have pictures of Jesus Christ suggesting what he might look like. But the Holy Spirit was a totally different matter. How was I to wrap my mind around someone symbolized as a dove? Or sometimes spoken of in Scripture as wind, and I just didn't know how to do that. Not to say that I was totally devoid of understanding the Spirit of God, because in my Catholic upbringing, I would have had to learn the Apostles' Creed, would have also had to learn the Nicene Creed, and as part of the Nicene Creed, there's language there about the Spirit. It'll be on the screen here, and this has been language that's been out there for centuries. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and who with the Father and Son is adored and glorified, who is spoken through the prophets. And even though I would have memorized that perhaps years ago, and I had some understanding of the Spirit, when it came to this request to lead this class and to talk to this group of boys for about 20 minutes about the Holy Spirit, I had to decline. Because simply said, who is the Holy Spirit? I would have simply had to respond, I don't know. I don't know. Experience number two, the influence of a seminary professor. 
with my call into salvation, almost immediately came a call into ministry as well. And so I finished my commerce degree more as a stepping stone to go to seminary. And because we were a Southern Baptist church and there were connections to this school, I traveled to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And this would be a picture of one of the main buildings. It's a long name. It's a big name. Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Very appropriate for a state that thinks that they are a big state. And they uh, kind of like that name. First year I went down there single. I was in relationship with Judy. Judy was here in Saskatoon. I was down there in Fort Worth, Texas. And um, we're in close relationship. Uh, But I discovered quite quickly that it's not a lot of fun to kiss a girl over the phone. So we got engaged by the next summer and got married. And Judy was with me in year two and down year three as well. Uh, Dr. Jack Gray was one of my professors, and he was a man that you could readily say, here's a man that is filled with the Spirit of God. You know, you look in the book of Acts, in the calling of the seven, there are those that say, here are some people who who are filled with the Spirit of God. And that would be true of Dr. Jack Gray. And one of the classes that he taught that I was a part of was spiritual foundations which included the memorization of a number of different scripture verses and passages. And one of the ones that we had to memorize was John chapter 7, 37 through to 39. On the last day, in the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. The passage suggested a connection between the Spirit and the rivers of living water flowing from one's very being. I was all over that biblical thought. In other words, the Spirit brings purpose, fulfillment, abundance, and joy to one's very soul and spirit. And he brings it to those who are thirsty, which I readily declared to God. That's me. That's me. I qualify with John 7, 37, 39. And as I stayed close to those verses, praying them back to God, those were verses in which I did find rivers of living water flowing within within my very being. So if I would have been asked that question at that point in time, who is the Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? I would have said, He is the one who causes rivers of living water to flow from within those who thirst for Him. So if I would have been tasked at that point in time to teach a class of boys at Faith Baptist Church, I could have jumped in on the discussion and I would have said, Yes, I can. And I can say something with conviction, experientially, from John 7, 37 to 39. So as we consider who is the Holy Spirit, part of the role of the Spirit is to cause, to bring out these waters that will flow from within one's very spirit. Number three, experience the impact of a book. I so enjoy Dr. Gray. And when I discovered he was teaching a class entitled Biblical Basis for Missions, I took his class. 
and one of the books that we needed to study and look at was Pentecost and Missions by a gentleman by the name of Harry Bohr. Harry Bohr argued what may have been a controversial point at that time, that missions wasn't just dependent on the Great Commission, which may have been a prevailing perspective at that time. He argued that, yes, missions finds its direction with the Great Commission, but ultimately missions finds its power, its impulse, its energy, its capacity for spontaneous expansion by way of Pentecost, and most specifically, the Spirit of God. Makes a lot of sense when I was going through that and studying that with him and going through that book. When you consider the disciples, they witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it wasn't enough. They were there when Jesus gave out the Great Commission, and yet it wasn't enough. They were there for the ascension. They witnessed that, and yet it wasn't enough. Jesus said to them, to these men who had witnessed from the resurrection to the ascension, he said to them, wait for power. And it was only with the coming of the Spirit of God that that then fueled the cause of missions. So then as a part of that, Acts chapter 1 became a really important passage of Scripture to me. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Who is the Holy Spirit? We would have to say he is the power. He's the dunamis. That's the very word that's used there in Acts chapter 1.8. And you would recognize the word dynamite from that. He is the power. He is the dunamis behind the whole book of Acts and behind every genuine missional engagement that the church has participated in over the last 2,000 years. And of course, equally today as well. Who is the Holy Spirit when we think about missional engagement and we go out to the marketplace of life and we're connecting with people? We need to go with this sense of conviction and this sense of faith and this sense of anticipation and this sense of expectation that the Spirit of God is working through us. Not occasionally, but 24-7 that the Spirit of God is working through us. So the impact of a book and a class uh, with uh, Dr. Gray. Number four is the sway of, and the influence of a song. A very popular chorus through the 1980s was Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. Break me, melt me, mold me. And fill me, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Now, there's a certain measure of theology that we pick up from the songs that are written. And much of it is good. Sometimes there may be questions about how some of the music is written. But this song calls for a fresh experience from the Holy Spirit, an appropriate calling for that fresh blessing of the Spirit of God. Three times you get that line, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Three times, three times it's mentioned, and I was into that. And especially as I connected it back to that John seven thirty-seven to 39 passage. 
I wasn't sure about the words where it said, break me, melt me, and, and mold me. I wasn't sure about those words. And yet, from this perspective, as I look back on those very words and I consider those, when we think about the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit of God bringing fruit and building fruit within our lives, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, He will, He will, He will break us. Uh, He will reshape us. He will remold us. And ultimately, that we would be filled with His presence as well. Parallel with that song, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, that, those two verses were very prominent during, at least in my mind, they seem to be quite prominent. Do not get drunk in wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Uh, the Ephesians passage complements that song. And I sometimes wonder if Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 was being quoted all over the place because This song was so popular in church life. And this song gives some definition to the song. That yes, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me and come and fill me. And Ephesians chapter 5 clearly gives indication of that. The verb for be filled here is present passive. It is an ongoing experience with God, the Spirit himself. And it's in the passive, which I find interesting which suggests that we, we are active. We take the role. Yes, we take the role. And we present ourselves to the, to, to the Spirit. But then it's the Spirit who comes and who fills us. And we are on the passive side as the Spirit works and flows through our life, our lives. So I embrace that teaching. I embrace that song. And again, at that point of time, if I would have been asked to teach a Sunday school class or a class at Faith Baptist Church, who is the Holy Spirit, I would say, and I say to us as well, one who falls fresh on us over and over again, and in so doing, he fills us with his presence. Sometimes the Spirit fills us in some very unique and different ways. Uh, Number five is what I would say is my Kelowna experience. At a certain point in my ministry, I took a fairly serious hit, um, which left me wounded for some time and really sort of sapped the courage out of who I was. Not here at Forest Grove, just so you know. Totally different setting. As a part of that, I had plans to go to Kelowna to a church there that was having a conference on prophecy. Prophecy not in the sense of end-time prophecy, but prophecy in the sense of inspired utterance, where the Spirit of God will work through a person's life and bring forth inspired utterance for the benefit of those who are the listeners. There are about a thousand people there, And over two or three days, we listened and learned about prophecy. We um, worshiped the Lord. And in different ways, we uh, practiced trying to see the gift exercised in that circle of a thousand people. At one point, we were asked to break into circles of 15 to 20 people. And uh, we had a time of worship and prayer, so this whole auditorium, people are broken up into circles of 15 to 20 people. 
And we were asked to be, close our eyes and wait for visions from the Spirit of God. So here I am, Mr. S. Not Mr. Strauss, but Mr. S., Mr. Skeptical. Is the Spirit of God going to bring visions through me? Five or ten minutes into this exercise, I have my eyes shut, and I have a name that scrolls through my mind like a TV monitor had just come on in my mind. A name that went through my mind. So I went from Mr. S, Mr. Skeptical, to Mr. S, Mr. Surprised, really fast. In terms of what do I do with this? I open my eyes. Everyone's got their eyes still shut. I don't know these people, but we're all wearing name tags. I look around to see if that name is on anyone's name tag, and it is not there. At the end of that sort of time of being prayer and silence, or whatever it was, 20 or 30 minutes, then we were to brief, to, to brief in our small circles and to see what we might have seen. I volunteer right away that I had seen a vision of a name going through my mind. didn't mean anything to anyone in the group. Two guys in the circle across me say, that's the name of our pastor. We're from Edmonton, and he's here. And I mean, we're not rocket scientists, but I quickly figured out that probably I need to connect with this pastor and connect with this person. And so the two of them and myself, we go over, we find the pastor, he's there, and He's there with his wife, and we interact back and forth. I tell him my little story, what had transpired. We realize that we need to pray for each other. I pray for him, and nothing significant happens. He prays for me, nothing significant happens. And then she, his wife, begins to pray for me. And without knowing anything about the story and the loss of courage that I was dealing with, she begins to pray that I would repeatedly, that I would have the courage of David, that I would have the courage of David, I would have the courage of David, kind of like that, repeating it probably eight or nine times. And I'm just stunned. And I, I cry like a baby. And, and find it as the living word of the Lord into my life at that specific point of time, which then gave me the courage to pull things together and to forge forward with ministry. The scripture with this is Acts chapter 2, verse 17, which provides us a window into the Spirit. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. The Holy Spirit is the one who does and can minister by way of prophetic revelations, by way of visions, by way of dreams. He does that. And I am of the perspective that that passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2 where Joel is quoted is really an interpretive lens for the whole book of Acts and many of the related books to the book of Acts as well wherever you see this prophetic gift that is manifested, this inspired utterance. Uh, visions and dreams that would come as a part of that. So that's experience number five. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is who works through us through prophetic revelations. Your young men will dream, will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Number six.
Sometimes, yes, the Spirit of God will work through unique ways. But I would say in terms of my autobiographical journey, the main way that the Spirit of God has spoken through my life is none other than simply filling myself with Scripture. And a lot of that is Scripture memory. Just the sheer discipline of hanging around with Scripture and the discipline of running it through my mind over and over and over again. And then ultimately, the Spirit of God seems to, in an unexpected place, just bring it to life into my own life and spirit. We're on the cusp of the 500th year of the Reformation, and Martin Luther has influenced all of us in different ways, but he influenced my life by something I read from him where Martin Luther said that every believer in Jesus Christ should, ought, must memorize Romans chapter 8. And so I did that years ago, and I've invited you at different times to do that, and some of you have memorized Romans chapter 8 as well. It is a rich passage of Scripture about the Spirit of God, the work of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit of God that talks about His work and His ministry. I just want to mention them very briefly, most of them that are there, but I want to give a little bit more attention to one of them. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us life and peace, Romans 8. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us, sets us free from the law of sin and death, Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us. He guides us, Romans 8. The Holy Spirit is the one who testifies that we are the children of God. His, his, spirit, his spirit, the Spirit of God with our spirit helps us to testify in that direction. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And the Holy Spirit is the one who intercedes for us because ultimately, when you look at Romans chapter 8, we don't know how to pray as we ought to. And the Spirit comes within us and helps us with groans that are too deep for words and helps us to pray and to intercede. All of those are significant, but one that perhaps stands out the most significant for me is Romans 8, 11. And it's the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised, raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. I'm aware of my mortality. My guess is most of you are as well, aware of your mortality. But the Spirit is the one who will eventually give life to my mortal body. I'm all into that one. I'm really interested in that one. Um, and I know that, you know, I know that I heard one couple here in our church talk about they've been at, or will have been at four funerals over the last two weeks. And so depending on where you are, age, and your experiences, but mortality really presses home the further along that you go in life. Uh, I like Romans 8.11. I really love it. Uh, W.A. Criswell, who was a preacher for about 40 years at First Baptist Church, Dallas, a uh, huge and significant church. Uh, he's passed away at least 10 years ago. Uh, but I heard him speaking on the resurrection at one place. And he said that when he would die, he would want, at his funeral, an open casket event before the service, which happens in most often funerals, but not all of them. And as he would be there in the coffin, he would want 
a Bible, his Bible in his hands. And as people would go by, the passage would be open. For him, it was the Gospel of John. And I can't remember which verse it was, but there was a verse or passage about the resurrection. And he said, I would want that underlined. And I want my hand positioned in the coffin so I'm pointing right to the text about the resurrection. And so that, you know, so that when people would come by and look at him, they would be prompted to read the text. Well, I like that idea. And I'm into Romans 8, 11. Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's the one who gives that hope. He gives us us that picture in terms of eternal life. And then the last one, this is more recent, uh, number seven, uh, the interplay between scriptures and a TED Talk. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, I had cause to reflect more on this verse going back a couple of years ago. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the Spirit was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Take note of that line. Now, forgive me if you've heard me say this before, but concurrent with that, I almost paralleled when I was really sort of reflecting on those two verses. I heard a TED talk, and those of you acquainted with TED, those who are not, it's an online resource, all kinds of videos that you can watch. Uh, a presentation by Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, and Love. And that's the movie that, or the book that became so popular, and the movie was made with Julie Roberts uh, with that as well. In that TED talk, it's entitled Your Elusive Genius, she, she talks about what if she never finds that creative touch again to put together a book such as Eat, Pray, and Love. And she talks about that stress and that dilemma of maybe never finding that creativity and that inspiration ever again in her life. And her response is that she has discovered something, and she has discovered, I think it was ancient Greek sources, that from a Greek perspective, that inspiration and creativity doesn't come from within, but creativity comes from outside. And then so she talks about spiritual forces and dynamics that bring that creativity. And because we think that way, then lo and behold, we are free of any stress because we're not ultimately responsible for our creativity inspiration that comes from outside. Quite fascinating. Now, as I listened to the presentation, and I read her one of her, one of her books on marriage, it's called Committed, but she never references anything about the Christian faith. So I don't think she's coming from a Christian perspective. But as I'm listening to this and watching this video, I find myself saying, Elizabeth Gilbert, it is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God who gives us inspiration and creativity. And of course, she couldn't say that because she, well, she didn't know who the Spirit of God would be or is, is my assumption. The Spirit who created two trillion galaxies is the present count now, right? You've probably heard that in the news in the last two or three weeks. The Spirit who created two trillion galaxies, that very one that's mentioned here in verse 2, the one who hovers over the waters, my goodness, is with me and is with you. He brings creativity 
in all of life. Be it in writing new music, be it in developing a math formula, be it engineering a bridge, be it in making that new chocolate cake recipe, be it making it, be it in making Saskatoon pie, be it devising a better mechanical system, be it writing new procedures, be it in engaging in media development, be it in building that house, be it in building that better fence, be it in building that better fence gate. I have a picture up. We just had our fence replaced in the back side of our yard with our neighbor. I have a section that's 11 feet wide where I want access to our yard on occasion. The problem with an 11-foot gate is that it can quickly sag. So it's got to be built right. It's got to be built appropriately. Darcy, the guy who was building our fence, he looked at this and he said, the one up there gave me an idea on how I should do this. I've been doing it for years. And and so he built this fence with this kind of a unique idea in terms of how it should be shaped. When he said that, the one up there, I seized on the moment and I said, Darcy, Genesis chapter 1, 1 and 2. The Spirit of God who hovers over the water is the same Spirit that hovers over you. And ultimately, we could well say that it was the Spirit of God who gave you the idea to build this better fence for an 11-foot entrance. Well, Darcy was so fascinated by that thought. He was in my yard, for backyard, for three days. Every time I interacted with him, it was at least three times that he brought that up and says, my goodness, the Spirit of God hovers over me as I build fences day by day. He was fascinated by that very thought. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's the one who inspires every creative idea that comes our way. So, those are my glimpses into some of my journey, which of course is ongoing. What we have done here is fairly introductory. There is so much more that could be said about the Holy Spirit. One final resource I want to put before you is our MB Confession of Faith, which provides a wonderful summary statement on the Spirit reflecting some of that which I've touched and equally far more that I have not spoken to. The Holy Spirit, the Counselor, is the creative power, presence, and wisdom of God. The Spirit convicts people of sin, gives them new life, and guides them into all truth. By the Spirit, believers are baptized into one body. The indwelling Spirit testifies that they are God's children, distributes gifts for ministry, empowers for witness, and produces the fruit of righteousness. As comforter, the Holy Spirit helps God's children in their weakness, intercedes for them according to God's will, and assures them of eternal life. Briefly, I would say the Holy Spirit is a person, third person of the Trinity, giver of life, who with the Father and Son is to be adored and glorified. I leave you with the exhortation, and I leave you with the blessing, that has been central to our lifetime class on Acts, which in effect has been a class on the Acts of the Spirit. May you be blessed with an added understanding, awareness, and expectation of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen.